Well, it seems like more of the same today. Oil is on the up, although it has come back off late in the session. Inflation concerns continue to rise, although equities are also back on the rise to new highs, actually. So tightening by central banks is as certain as night follows day. But as they tighten, will Joe Biden finally get a chance to put a slug of money into the US economy? I think maybe we've heard that before. It's Tuesday, the 26th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a slight rise in the US dollar is up 0.2% on the DXY, almost up that much on the Japanese yen. The pound is also up slightly. The Aussie dollar is up 0.4%. The euro is the one taking the hit, though, down 0.3% this morning. US stocks back on the rise, up 1% for the Nasdaq, 0.6% for the S&P 500, hitting a new high, and 0.2% for the Dow. Europe doing OK, too. The DAX is up 0.4% and a quarter percent rise in the FTSE 100. We've got a little movement in bond yields. Ten-year treasuries are more or less where they were yesterday. Not much movement uh, across the yield curve either in the US or in Europe. Oil up more. Brent a quarter percent uh, today. It was uh, over half percent earlier. It's close to $86 now. WTI got up to $85.30, but then chickened out. It fell back to $83.50. It's down 0.3% now, although the direction obviously is clearly still very much up. But let's start with oil, with uh, Tapa Strickland from NAB in Sydney. I mean, 85 a barrel, that's the highest it's been since October 2014. We're talking about WTI, of course. So what is is this signalling a concern that there isn't actually enough being produced as economies open up? What, what do you think is continuing to drive this upward momentum in oil? Or is, or is it the whole gas substitution effect? That's certainly obviously having impact in Europe. Good morning, Phil. Um, as for the oil price, it does seem to be some notion that oil producers aren't going to be increasing production uh, enough in order to in order to balance that market out. Um, so the Saudi Arabia urged caution in boosting oil supply and said they shouldn't take the rise in prices for granted because the pandemic could still hit demand there. So OPEC is still being relatively cautious in responding to uh, fairly good conditions in the oil market. I mean, you could say, well, they would say that, <laughs> wouldn't they, if it means they can keep prices high. But I mean, they do have a point, don't they? There are still lockdowns happening. So we had we saw one uh, on Monday in uh, in China, uh, in uh, Ijin, which is in in, in Mongolia, not, not a big area, but it's one of many. I think they've had some lockdowns in Russia as well. So I mean, it's still around, isn't it? Britain, we're seeing numbers increase as well. So, you know, maybe that is going to knock back demand. So maybe they've got a point on that. Uh, yeah, I think there is just a lot of uncertainty at, at the moment um, in regards to the mm. oil market itself and just the potential for those industry players to come in and, and boost supply, so particularly the American shale oil and also in terms of OPEC as well. So um, markets are watching those headlines from OPEC and also from the shale oil producers quite, yeah. quite closely. Um, the Delta outbreak in China is is a little bit concerning. We've been talking for quite some time that China is one country that is yet to pivot um, f- to towards living with, with COVID-19 and still pursuing that zero COVID strategy. And it is interesting that China has, according to the data, fully vaccinated around 72% of its population and is still going with its uh, zero COVID strategy. There is some talk that China wants to roll out a booster program before they start easing up on the zero COVID policy. Uh, Iran is also a, a question mark hanging over that as to whether 
there'll actually be a deal struck uh, to, you know, reignite the nuclear deal. So the US special envoy to Iran said on Monday that there's going to be much more intense diplomacy over coming days and weeks to try and ar- arrive at an arrangement. If that, if they did reach a, a deal, then obviously that could mean that uh, Iran's oil gets back on tap. I mean, at its peak, they were producing two and a half million barrels a day, although they probably still are producing quite a few and they're just selling it to, to, to places that we don't know about, perhaps. So maybe it's maybe it's not going to have that big an impact if they do turn it all on again. I, I, I think potentially it could, could have a potential impact there, but I, again, it just depends on the status of those talks. Yeah, it could take a while, couldn't it? Look, uh, in Europe, uh, German IFO numbers uh, disappointed a little, didn't they? The, the business climate index fell from 98.9 to 97.7 this month. So, again, you know, we're getting back to the, this indication that that Europe is much more pessimistic than we are seeing in the United States. Yes, and what is interesting about that fall, I think it's the fourth consecutive month of decline, uh, yeah. and uh, it takes it down to a six-month low there. So quite a significant hit um, over the past four months uh, in terms of business conditions and confidence in Germany. And when you ask the survey participants what's driving it, um, they are saying that they're seeing those supply chain problems. Um, and also that capacity utilisation in manufacturing is falling as well, partly due to those supply chain problems as well. Well, inflation, of course, is the the big concern continues to be. Uh, look at that 10-year break-even inflation rate in the UK. It's at 4.2%, the highest in 25 years. I mean, there's very little doubt that the Bank of England is going to act on this. Is yes, and I think the chief economist last week uh, basically said uh, the November meeting was live. So um, it looks like the BOE is set to hike rates at either the November or December meetings. And there's some notion that they probably do need to hike rates uh, relatively aggressively in the near term there. Although it's not going to be a consensus decision. And there were a few BOE officials who are more on the dovish side, such as uh, Tenreo, uh, Catherine Mann and uh, Jonathan Haskell, who've been sounding that the BOE doesn't need to hike and that they see this lift in energy price inflation as being a one-off hit. Um, so I think it, I think it, it could be a f- fairly close meeting. But when you look at the nine-member committee, there's five NPC officials who are leading towards the hike camp. Um, and then there's the three or four who are more on the dovish side. It's going to be interesting to see whether it uh, does its job or whether it slows the economy still further. Of course, they've got a uh, a budget there on on Wednesday. Uh, normally, that wouldn't be uh, of much interest to, to global markets. But maybe this time, because, you know, here's, here's a country that's racked up massive debt. How are they going to deal with it? And are they going to, you know, uh, put taxes up? Uh, the word today is that they're going to certainly put, push up minimum wage uh slightly above the rate of inflation, although who knows what that rate of of inflation is going to end up at uh, later on in the the year. But, uh, you know, if the maybe they won't, if if it's a harsh budget, maybe the Bank of England is not going to do too much. Maybe the the, the government will do it all for them. It will be interesting to see uh, what is in the budget. I think that's the risk for markets uh, going forward for the next couple of years is that fiscal authorities look like they're more leaning towards fiscal conservatism uh, after all the... uh, real strong policy stimulus that we saw during the height of the pandemic. And you're seeing that in in the US uh, and also in the UK as well. And that does have the potential to slow down our growth in uh, 2022 and 2023. Well, are we seeing it in the US? I mean, (laughs) this week, Senator um, Manchin is uh, now saying that he might play ball and agree to Joe Biden's uh, package. 
uh, Manchin is a, a, a Democrat, but he's uh, he's been concerned all along about you know the the size of the of the big package, the three and a half trillion dollar one, being too big. I'm wondering about how they're going to pay for it. Uh, he's been talking with Joe Biden uh, this week. He seems happy to agree to a wealth tax, for example. It's probably not going to be three and a half trillion. It may be half that, but it, there might be a bit of momentum in this. Uh, yes, it does look like. Democrats are starting to round uh, on to that kind of um, spending program. But just worth noting, the headline envelope is going to be a lot lower than what they were hoping to get across the line, which was $3.5 trillion. And It's looking like it might settle towards the $1.5 to $2 trillion mark. So quite a lot less than what they were initially hoping for then. But how does this work out? If you've got... Uh, a fiscal stimulus happening at the same time that the the central bank is trying to pull back. I mean, doesn't one pull against the other? So I guess with the infrastructure program, that's going to be rolled out over a period of time. So it's not all uh, hit to the economy at one certain point in time. And then when you actually look at the exact size of these packages, uh, when you compare it to the absolute size of the economy, they're relatively small. Um, so in terms of the fiscal impact, uh, it's not as large as, say, the big fiscal programs that we saw at the height of the pandemic. Right. Now, Evergrande. What, where, where has this money come from, Tapas? Any ideas? I mean, they they made their coupon payments at the end of last week. They've got more to make this week. They are reportedly getting back to business, and the magic money tree has uh, come to bail them out, obviously, but we're not sure who's paying, and they are not making any comments to the press, and there's, you know, the question mark, are they going to meet, miraculously, meet their coupon payments again this week? I noticed their chairman was saying, oh, look, we're not going to focus on uh, uh, on on buildings in, in the next 10 years. We're going to be focusing on uh, building electric vehicles instead, I mean, even though they've been in that business for three years and they haven't sold anything so far. But where is this money coming from? It's a mystery. It's a very good question. If you find out, I would love to know. But should we be concerned about it? I mean, if I mean, because everyone said, "Oh, it's fine now." But, you know, the, this the fact it was going to, we were going to see massive deleveraging in China uh, as a result of this. Have we abandoned those thoughts now, or is it still a concern? Regardless of where the money ultimately came from, I think it highlights that the Chinese central authorities. Um, overarching goal is of social stability uh, and they're going to be very reluctant Mm. to let the the very large companies fail um, and do a very messy kind of restructuring in that environment. So I I think it does illustrate that perhaps China's central authority still has a very heavy hand um, and is definitely guiding the economy in that way. And that is obviously leading to a lot of people to speculate that maybe the worst in terms of the Evergrande fallout is there. But just worth noting that um, China is still tightening up regulations and uh, still tightening up regulations in the property sector. So you could still get a slowing occurring within that RISI construction space and commercial construction, um, even though um, the kind of fallout from Evergrande may be a little bit less than many people had feared um, going yeah. back a month. So the slowdown we've been seeing could continue. And obviously, as we said earlier, they've still got this zero COVID approach. So we're still going to see lockdowns. Uh, you know, and, and you know, you look at the, the number of COVID cases in the US now, actually, it's less of an issue because the, the number of cases has halved since September. And it does seem to be a straight line down, but it's very different to the UK experience right now or Germany, in fact. Um, Germany's lower than the UK, but they're also on the rise and the UK uh, cases are becoming a, a, a bit of a concern. So, that you know, it's hard to see the economy growing too quickly while you've got that going on. But anyway, we'll watch those numbers, of course. Uh, but other numbers to watch. Well, the conference board consumer confidence in the US today 
which was quite high in September. It was uh, well over the 100 mark. Again, I guess this gets back to the fact that if the cases go down, confidence goes up. Yeah, so we'll be looking quite closely at the conference board. The Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report, um, if you recall back in August, fell quite sharply and hasn't Mm. rebounded since then. Uh, And the conference board is a little bit more optimistic than the University of Michigan Sentiment Index. So we'll be looking to see whether that divergence continues. And the other one we'll be looking quite closely at is the Richmond Fed Manufacturing Index, a very second-tier data piece. Uh, but last month, it did fall relatively sharply with a very, very sharp fall in, in new orders. And there were some reports of weakening in local business conditions in the Richmond Fed uh, area. So um, there are expectations for that to, to rebound, um, and we'll be looking at that to make sure it does. Yeah, and uh, equity is still bouncing ahead. I guess a lot of that is earnings. We've got uh, Twitter and Alphabet. We've got Facebook very shortly as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, equity markets just purely focused on those earnings results, it seems, irrespective of what's going on in the background. Yeah, so it has been a very good earnings season again. Uh, and we're starting to get the kind of anecdotes coming out of the reporting season that firms do have some pricing power. And so although firms are being... Um, hampered by a rise in costs and all these supply chain issues, mm. they are finding a little bit of pricing power to rein that back in, and that's helping the equity market uh, perform in this environment as well. And in terms of today's moves, uh, really driven by what we did see in, in commodities and also by the tech sector itself in anticipation of fairly good earnings. And uh, Tesla also climbed, I think, by 9% uh, to an all-time high um, with Hertz ordering 100,000 Teslas so it can um, move its electric uh, sorry, it can move its vehicle fleet more towards uh, electric vehicles. Right. Uh, it's the future, I've heard. Uh, good to talk, Tapas. We'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Uh, cheers. Thanks, Phil. A very quiet day. Did you sense that? Uh, but we'll be back with more action uh, tomorrow morning at this time. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then.